Good morning and welcome to Car Thoughts with David. I'm your host as always, David Coward. Thank you guys so, so much for taking time out of your day to listen to what this guy has to say. It means so much, guys. It really does. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, <laughs> uh, my wife messaged me the other day and she's like, Hey, everyone at work keeps bugging me about your books and your podcast. And I'm like, well, what about them? They're like, yeah, they love them. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, um, you know, you need to, you need to make more. I'm like, make more what? Podcasts, episodes, books? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so yeah, the only person she mentioned specifically was Maxwell. So thank you, man, for listening. I appreciate it. If you're to this episode, if you're not, uh, this will be a surprise, I guess. <laughs> so thank you, man, for, for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so, so that's cool. I always love getting feedback or anyone letting me know how, what they think or how the show's going. Um, yeah, I check the iTunes reviews. I check any reviews I get. I have a, an account set up with like this review management site thing that like sends you an email of all the reviews you get throughout different pot, um, like podcast sites that allow reviews so um, I do see those when they come in get an email like weekly or whatever um, when I get when I get an, a review if I don't get a review that week I don't get an email um, so that's kind of cool but yeah um, yeah it's just been kind of a chill a uh, couple of weeks you know and uh, <clears throat> you know just break off the uh the normal subject, you know, E3 just finished up, uh, and, um, the, uh, there was, you know, WWDC not too long ago, and everybody's getting excited about the new, uh, Apple, uh, OS builds, um, which I am too, especially iPad OS. I am really excited, uh, to see that they're embracing, um, something that's a hybrid between, a PC and um, an iPod because basically I mean all the iPad was was just a glorified giant iPod at the end of the day um, <clears throat> so they're gonna be uh, lightening the restrictions on their MFI certified devices um, they can connect to the iPad via uh, Bluetooth which is cool because you're gonna have a wider array of mice keyboard uh, potentially, um, I don't know, you know, how soon that'll be, but they'll also have, like, you'll be able to pair PlayStation, Xbox controllers, and other Bluetooth controllers and devices to it, uh, plug up, uh, SSD hard drives, so that you can actually do file management, work on Excel sheets and stuff, and save that down, and then take it to a computer without having to constantly just email the files back and forth between the two, um, you can actually have hardline backup copies of all your files on a physical storage instead of just cloud storage if that's what you prefer, things like that. So it's going to open it up to be more of a, like a Surface tablet instead of just an iPad because iPad invented the tablet market. Um, even though everybody made fun of it, I can't remember 
how many. It was a lot, though. There was a lot of people making fun of the iPad, the name, the nobody will ever buy it, blah, blah, blah. It's the stupidest idea ever. I'm perfectly happy with my iPod. And it pretty much created an entire genre of an entire ecosphere, uh, whatever, of, you know, devices that never existed before and people didn't even realize they needed. So... It's good to see it finally evolving. Um, it's taken a long time, but apparently Apple's been taking all of the feedback from from people and um, you know from their engineers and working on this new operating system for a long time. So that's cool because I I don't know five or six years ago I actually emailed Apple's engineering team. I found an email form and basically told them why it you know, why the uh, iPad needed mouse support, because you could already pair a keyboard with it, but why it needed a mouse. And that's one thing, you know, that everybody at Apple, you know, who was presenting the iPad, they're like, oh, you don't have to have a mouse for this. It's so great. It's one of the best touchscreens ever. I, I brought up that point, and I was like, yeah, but at the same time, if I'm going to use this like a computer... Um, I'm going to want to have it sitting on my desk. I'm going to be typing on a keyboard. I don't want to have to take my hand off and reach out to wherever the iPad is to touch it to make adjustments. And if I'm doing, like, say, word processing, you know, writing a document, it's a whole lot easier to pinpoint where you need to make a correction with a mouse that is with your finger. Or even, well, the Apple Pencil probably, but still... You know, uh, that was something that I pointed out. And I, I mean, I wrote them like this good-sized letter. It was a couple pages of why, I mean, it was like an essay, <laughs> why the iPad needs a mouse. Um, so hopefully all that um, comes to fruition. And, of course, dark mode, which is great, because there's oftentimes in the evening, I mean, even though they have the light adjustment and the blue light and the all that stuff, night light settings and all that, it's still a white background at the end of the day, um, when you're sitting, you know, sitting on the couch at night, <clears throat> you know, you got the light slow because you're watching a movie and you're just checking some stuff or whatever, it's so much better to be a dark mode, so I'm glad that's coming out, um, so yeah, um, I've got an interview for the show uh, Wednesday, I think it is. Yeah, Wednesday. And uh, looking forward to that. Have a new episode on next Monday for this interview on Wednesday. Uh, this guy runs a fairly successful podcast. And you know, I'm looking forward to getting to have a chat with him on the show and uh, share it with you guys. So. Um, always excited to have uh, more interviews and such. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, um, if for some reason I've just been kind of in a, in a funk, I mean, as you guys know, uh, been following along, um, you know, just coming off of the allergies and the, the disappointment at the, uh, convention, um, with not selling a lot of books and all that, and it just wasn't. Yeah, it was just hard to kind of get back in the swing, and I feel like I'm finally starting to pick back up into that and get all that going. Um, 
I've been taking some time to, uh, you know, just kind of reconnect and recharge the batteries, you know, because it's one thing when you're not feeling particularly um, creative, uh, you know, one thing I learned in, in Alan uh, Gannett's book, The Creative Curve, is you can't just um, produce all the time, you know, sometimes you have to consume so that you get the inspiration to produce. So, you know, I've kind of hit a brick wall with, with my science fiction books. And uh, so I was like, you know what? It's been a while since I've actually consumed um, anything, period. Uh, you know, because when I was in social media so much, I didn't, I didn't play any video games. I didn't, I wasn't reading any um, science fiction books books, I wasn't uh, reading any fantasy books, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't consuming anything that would give me that uh, kind of imagination or information that would kind of seep into my subconscious, uh, so I had to, uh, I had to realize, like, okay, I've been consuming nothing but self-help and helping others with their social media and marketing and business and all of this. And no wonder I can't write any science fiction. I've got all of this on the brain, on the, on the front burner. I need to ingest some, some good old-fashioned science fiction. Uh, so I watched uh, The Wandering Planet on Netflix, which is... Um, it's, it's actually really good. I was not sure um, what to make of it because it was a fully Chinese-produced and Chinese-released uh, movie. You know, Chinese actors, it was spoken in Chinese. It was not meant for American audiences um, until in China uh, it grossed a billion dollars. Uh, so a Chinese-made movie for Chinese moviegoers, science fiction movie made a million dollars, and it wasn't a Disney movie. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, most impressive. So everybody started freaking out, trying to figure out over here in the West, like, what is this movie that just grossed a billion dollars? Um, because, you know, we're... Like, this just came out of nowhere. It's based off of a science fiction book uh, by the same name. And um, basically what the idea of the movie is, is the planet, um, you know, we're running out of time on Earth. We basically, the sun's going to die, it's expanding, and it's going to, cook and consume the sun, I mean, the, it's going to cook and consume the earth, it's going to cook and consume, you know, Jupiter and all this other stuff as it expands, um, you know, and to become a red dwarf, so we've got to leave. Well, what happens is, is they decide we don't know that we have a planet um, to go to that is going to sustain life, but we're living on a planet that will sustain life. 
So they create this ambitious goal. They build all these underground cities, a la The Matrix. Uh, well, The Matrix only had one underground city, but still. Um, they build all these giant underground cities. Um, we still have to have people above ground to mine um, rock for these uh, giant uh, like fusion engines that they build on the surface of the planet, and they build them around the equator and around the globe. And basically, the idea is is they stop the Earth from spinning, um, <clears throat> and then use these giant engines uh, once they stop it from spinning to propel the earth out of our galaxy and head it towards I think Alpha Centauri if I remember correctly um, or Vega I think Vega, Vega well yeah anyway so you know we're going to be living underground you know these giant engines are going to be pushing us through through space for thousands of years and um, we you know are going to use Jupiter's gravity to slingshot us out of the out of the you know out of our solar system well uh, problem happens we get too close to Jupiter and we're going to get sucked in so and that's all the more I'll really tell you on that but the idea is um yeah, it's pretty cool. It's an interesting concept. Not, I can honestly say, and I mean, Tariq will probably correct me on this because he knows way, 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 way more science fiction than I do. Um, I've never read a book or heard of a book where the we actually take Earth with us. You know, I mean, closest thing I've come to that is uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where they blow up Earth to make space for, um, you know, intergalactic uh, highway, or spaceway, I guess, and um, by accident, and then they build a new Earth, put it back in place to replace it, because it wasn't supposed to be blown up in the first place, so, um, so yeah. Yeah, that's the closest I've come, and he, he might know a book. So, Tariq, if you're listening, definitely, uh, if you know of any other books like this, because I haven't read The Wandering Planet yet, I just watched the movie, um, which I plan to read the book. Um, let me know, because I'm curious <laughs> to see how those play out. So, um, at any rate, you know, so there was that. Uh, then I um, also recently... Um, for whatever reason, and this was pre-E3, I started playing Final Fantasy VII again. Um, you know, just had, hadn't played a good RPG, and I miss turn-based RPGs. I hate that they took those away, because I felt like you could build much more strategy in it. It wasn't like just this hack-and-slash that had strategy elements. You could actually plan out your battles, and, um, you know, battles were won lost in the strategy. So, I kind of missed that whole thing. Um, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't... Uh, you know, the newer ones aren't aren't that bad. But, yeah, so I started playing that. I stopped. And, uh... For whatever reason, I was like, you know what? My 
and people are going to like probably go nuts on this, but one of my favorite ones of the entire series was Eight. I don't know why. I think it was just at that time in my life where I was, you know, um, really, really into RPGs. I used to be terrible at uh, video games. I couldn't play them. I could tell somebody exactly, like, like an RPG or a puzzle game or whatever, I could tell somebody exactly what they needed to do to, to beat the game. I could figure out the puzzles and the strategies, but the actual playing itself you know, had no idea, couldn't, couldn't do it, um, you know, I, I just continued to die, I couldn't put two and two together, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't say, oh, okay, well, you know, this is, this is what I need to do, now let's go do it, um, you know, I had to, uh, you know, I had to figure that part out, so I helped my friend play Final Fantasy VII, got all the way through it, got him through it, um, and then, after that, uh, you know, got Final Fantasy VII for myself and started playing into it, well, right around that time, because it was 99 by the time, you know, he, he got through it, because, I mean, we'd only play it on the weekends when I was over at his house, you know, so it took months to play, um, and, I, of course, I wasn't making a lot of money, so I had to save up to actually buy it, um, and by that time, like I said, Final Fantasy VIII was coming out, so I went out and bought it, and I remember exactly where I was when I bought it, too, because it just so happened my mom had a craft show that week, and uh, <clears throat> it had come out, and I, uh, you know, was, I had stopped by after work to, so that she could go to the bathroom and get a, get some food, and um, it was at the Gaston Mall, and so I was sitting there, everything, and mom got back and was talking to me, and she was like, hey, you know, you're gonna stay here until, until it's time for me to close up shop for the day, because it was like a week-long show, and I said, sure, yeah, no problem, so I got to run out to the store right quick, because Media Play was just, you left the mall and go to the end of the block, and Media Play was right there, so... Um, I was like, I'm going to run over to Media Play right quick and play, pick up a video game. And she's like, what are you picking up? You know, because I was uh, 99. I would have been, you know, 6, 18, <laughs> 18. But, yeah, she was, she was still questioning me on stuff like that. Like, what are you buying? You know, because she wanted to make sure I wasn't blowing all my money so I could afford gas and food and all that. So, but anyway, I went over there, picked it up, came back, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> it was, you know, groundbreaking, groundbreaking, you know, earth-shattering graphics in 1999 uh, for a video game. Of course, now when I'm playing it, you know, people are looking, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, Final Fantasy VIII, and they're like, it looked that bad? It's like, back then, it looked that good, you <laughs> But, uh, yeah, even my wife was like, wow, that's ugly. I mean, Mario Brothers looks better than that. And I'm like, well, Mario Brothers was, it wasn't polygonal. It was, you know, uh, different, different technology. They had been working on that for many, many years. By the time Mario Brothers came along. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, neither here nor there. So I started playing Final Fantasy again. Just finished it this weekend. 
And of course, I was super excited to see the news that they're releasing a remake of that, as well as the ob obvious, uh, well, not a remake, a remastering of that, not a remake of Final Fantasy VII, where you finally got to see some actual gameplay footage and, you know, some of the story fleshed out a little bit, so that was cool. So, you know, I'm super excited. Very, very, very excited for this news, because... You know, I'm still playing through 7. I took a break from 7 to play 8, finished 8, and now I'm going back to 7. So I think I'm about... I can't really tell, because with 7, you know, and 8, they had multi multiple discs. So you're like, oh, yeah, I'm on disc 2, you know, here. You know, I'm playing... Right now I'm playing Final Fantasy 7 on my Xbox. And, uh, you know, and I'm streaming it on Twitch. <laughs> called my channel incompetently playing games because it's been so long since I've played anything. I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. So, um, so yeah, that's my channel. It's twitch.tv forward slash styles by three, but the channel's called incompetently playing games. And so I've just been, I turn on the stream and then start playing and then just meander around trying to figure out how to get through Final Fantasy 7 again. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been it's been a good time. I feel like those creative science fiction juices are like starting to flow again. I'm starting to feel more in touch. Um, I'm gonna start listening to audiobooks again this week as well. Um, you know, I've got a lot of different audiobook series on my. Uh, on my, you know, Audible account, so I'm going to start digging into those and, and seeing what I can find. Um, I don't know, I've been through all of, because any book I love, I'll just keep rereading it until I've got it, like, memorized. Um, so, I mean, most of my books I've listened to, you know, and I've got probably 40 or 50 of them, and I've listened to each of these books probably at least seven or eight times each. Um, so, uh, ex with the exception of Altered Carbon, I've only listened to that one two or three times, but of course I just recently bought it like six months ago, I think. Six or eight months ago. It was right I watched the entire TV series before I listened to the book. And to be quite honest, I know everyone says the book's always better. In this case, I actually liked the show better. Um, it was a lot more... Um, well, I mean, they were both set way in the future, but... A lot of the stuff just made more sense. I mean, granted, there were some parts of the book that I just really, really enjoyed. Um, but the overall, like, for instance, the hotel and Poe, um, my goodness. I mean, the fact that Poe was, like, one of the characters where people were, like, writing to the to the show writers to, say, bring him back. He was so awesome. He needs to be in the next season of the show. I didn't feel that way about the Hendrix, you know, I mean, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Hendrix, uh, you know, cause it was different in the, in the book, uh, 
wasn't really that super involved in hanging out or chatting with um, with Takeshi. It wasn't as much, you know, of a interaction between the two of them, you know. So there were there were things that were different, and of course, the reason why the hotel in the show wasn't called the Hendrix is because Jimi Hendrix's family, you know, they have stuff set up for, you know, usage rights for his name and things about him, and uh, the, the, the show was a lot more actually violent, which is hard to believe, but it was actually a lot more violent than the book, um, as far as the shootouts and stuff, and they just, when, when Amazon, when Netflix came to them, and asked them and kind of gave them the idea of the show, they were like, we're not super comfortable with having our father or grandfather, you know, whom, I don't know who the person who was talking with them was specifically, but they were like, we're not super excited about having his name associated with so much violence and killing and, and, and this type of uh, show. So Netflix was like, okay, no problem. We got it. We, you know, we can change that. Not a big deal. Um, you know, so because they do, they do it right. They're gonna, they're gonna invest and make sure when they release something that it's, that it's right. You know, because they want you to watch it. <laughs> you know, and not have legal battles or issues come up. So. At any rate, um, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, his writing was more suited for this type of a show anyway, and then of course the character of Edgar Allan Poe, seeing him fleshed out as this artificially intelligent hotel um, that desperately wants to get, you know, steeped in the world of you know, uh, this detective work that Takeshi's doing, trying to find this killer, um, you know, it just made perfect sense anyway. So I really think that in that case, uh, the author was outshined by the people producing the television show. So, you know, that was, that was definitely, uh, cooler. And I, of course, just after I'd watched the show, um, went to, uh, Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, and there's this restaurant there called Poe's Tavern, and so I posted, I took a bunch of pictures of the tavern, I was like, oh, this is so cool, you know, it's really good food, so if you're ever in Wilmington, check out Poe's Tavern, uh, it's really good food. Um, I think it's like a, it's a very small chain. I think they have like three locations. Um, but I posted all the pictures, the Instagram and tagged, uh, the guy who played, uh, Poe and his name escapes me right now. Um, otherwise I would say it. Um, anyway, and he actually, he actually liked my, my photos. So I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is cool. Because he was, aside from Takeshi, he was like my favorite character um, in the show. And of course, the guy who played Takeshi was just awesome. I'm curious to see how it's going to go now that they got Anthony Mackie um, uh, 
set up for to play him in season two, you know, it's definitely going to be a different vibe uh, from the original, you know, because the characters can change bodies, so it's not, you know, because we're in a world where, you know, oh, okay, let's just upload him into a different body. And, uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, definitely an interesting concept. I can't wait for season two. So, yeah, um, but yeah, that's basically been it. I, you know, I'm, I'm taking the lessons I learned in my self-development to, to rebuild the old noggin. So I'm ready for more sci-fi writing because I, I tried, I pushed and I pushed and I tried and I wrote and I wrote and it just wasn't coming to me. Like when I wrote uh, Hurling Toward a Home, it just came to me. When I wrote the other, the short stories, you know, UFO, what does that even mean? Um, you know, and uh, Heroes or Monsters. Um, you know, those stories just came to me. And like, I just started writing it. It just felt so natural. It just felt like, okay, this this makes sense and let's go here let's go here you know sometimes I did have to try and figure out how I was going to get there which was odd you know because I'd never done it before and you know I kind of went down the formulaic hero's journey uh, for uh, for hurtling towards a home um, you know and, and kind of went really hard line and very literal into the hero's journey um, story type but, you know, I had the story. You know, I had the idea. I had what I wanted to do with these new books. I know what I want to do, but the story's just not, it's not clicking yet. So, I was like, okay, all right, tank must be empty. Let's try that. And that's the important lesson for anything you're doing, you know. Sometimes it's good to consume. If you want to paint, if you want to, you know... Uh, write, if you want to do movies, if you want to, you know, heck, even run a business, you know, like, start a business, study what other businesses are doing that are in that field, look at what they're doing, you know, and don't completely plagiarize what they're doing, obviously, because that's illegal, but you know, there's obviously some t techniques or some finesse that could help you overcome some of the challenges that you'd face if you didn't use said techniques. So, you know, that's kind of where I've been. I know I've went off on a little bit of a tangent talking about video games and, and you know, movies and stuff and doing that. But when that's what you're writing in, it's good to consume that content. I'm, I'm convinced that's why George R. R. Martin loves going to, um, to conventions. And, and aside from liking the fame of it, um, you know, being around the fans and being around the people, being around different writers and producers and all these different people is able to keep him, you know, energized and focused and, and, you know, ready to build those next set of ideas so 
you know, of course, he had this long overarching story that took forever to write anyway. So, you know, he he's still in the process of writing his, um, and so am I. So, <laughs> there you go. But anyway, um, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Like I said, I've got an interview on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. And uh, definitely it'll be posted next Monday, so that's exciting. And, yeah, that's where we are. We're, we're um, you know, it's almost uh, summer officially. Yeah, just a couple more days for that, which is crazy. And uh, it'll be winter before we know it. <laughs> but as always, guys, uh, thank you for listening. And Car Thoughts out. Are you a veteran, active duty military, or first responder? You could be making extra cash by simply enjoying something that you probably drink every day. That's right, coffee. Hi, I'm Jason Jean, the founder of Tattered Beans. We're a different type of coffee company. Each coffee purchase made at tatterbeans.com helps put extra cash in the pockets of our veterans, active duty military, and first responders. Get signed up now at submit.tatteredbeans.com so you can start enjoying everything that we have to offer.